dead in our trespasses and sins. Before we, we believe in Jesus Christ, we are dead. We are dead. What does it mean to be dead? It means that you have no life in you. Uh, it, it looks like people are alive. They're moving. They're talking. They're eating. But they are dead. They are separated from God. He does not know them, not in a living, relational way. He knows that they exist, but he knows that they are dead men walking. What can dead men do? Can dead men and can dead women make themselves alive? A dead person cannot will himself or himself to life. We are all dead. We are helpless. We are vulnerable. There is nothing that we could do to reverse our deadness. We are eternally separated from God. Not only were we dead, unable to cause any real life, any connection with God to spring up within us, but we were following the prince of the power of the air. Who is this? It's the devil. It's Satan. We were, we were doing his bidding. He would say, this is something I think would be a good thing to do, and we would do it, and we would, we would delight in it. We were pawns of Satan. Thirdly, we were in our very nature children of wrath. What does this mean? This means that when God looks at us, he sees only a vile sinner. That, that he sees in our very nature that which deserves to be condemned. We were by our very nature, and then by the choices that we make, children of wrath. Finally, I want to show you that this was the lot of all mankind. We were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That... You know, there's this lie out there in the world that when you die, if you've done enough good, you'll go to heaven. Uh, or, actually, the lie goes a little bit more like this, that the default destination for humanity is heaven unless you kill someone or rob a bank. And I don't know why it's those two things. Most people aren't killing people. Most people aren't robbing banks. But we think that as long as you don't do those two things, your, your default destination is heaven. But what the Bible tells us is that our default destination is hell. That unless God does something, every cute little baby that's born into the world will one day be condemned to hell. That's the bad news. That's the context, or it's a context for Christmas. Unless God does something, we're all in very, very, very deep trouble. But unfortunately, this is not the end, and this is definitely not what we celebrate at Christmas. At Christmas, we celebrate what God has done to rescue us from this. Uh, we, we celebrate that God has, has interrupted time and space. He has taken on flesh so that he could save us from that which we were and that, the place that we were going. And so we continue in verses 4 and 5, but God. Uh, that, those are the two most beautiful words in all of Scripture. But God. We were going to hell, but God. God says, I don't want you to do that. I don't want that to be true for you. But God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. And that's what we sing about, that, that God came to rescue us. He came to save us. He came to change our destination. He came to change our nature. 
so that by nature, our very nature, we're no longer children of wrath when we put our faith in Christ, but we are children of God. Children of God. Unbelievable change from children of wrath to children of God. Now, why would God do this? Did God up in heaven look down and say, well, they're a fairly miserable lot, but ah, there's one I kind of like, and that, that he's kind of cute in all of his sin and depravity. No, God didn't do that. He looked down, and we were dead in trespasses and sin. And we were rebelling against him. We were his enemies. But God did this, not because of anything in us, not because we were good, not because he saw anything attractive in us, but because of who God is. He's rich in mercy. Because God's rich in mercy. He says, those people hate me, and I'm going to save them at great cost to myself. He's rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Not after we cleaned ourselves up. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin. And what did he do? He looked at those who hated him, and he says, I love you with, an et non, with a never-ending love, and I'm going to make you alive in Christ. That's this Christmas. It is about going from death to life, from wrath to the status of child and the nature of child. Now, how did God do that? Well, he became one of us. We know that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. The second person of the Trinity became a man. Everything that makes you and me human, Jesus is. And he lived a perfect life. And he took all of our sin into his body. And then he nailed it to the cross. And as he hung there on the cross, so he had done nothing wrong, the full weight of hell dropped on him. And the full wrath of God was unleashed on him. And you want to know what God thinks of our sin? The cross is what God thinks of our sin. But God in flesh, the baby that was born to die, carried our sin if we ask him to. And he put our sin in the, in the grave, and three days later he came back to life. By grace you've been saved. You see, it's all what, what Jesus has done. It's, it's not what we do. It's not what we do. By grace you have been saved. What is grace? Popular definition is that grace is unmerited favor, and it is that. It's favor that you don't deserve. It's God's divine favor. But before we get to that, we have to realize the very first aspect to grace is that God has removed from us everything that we deserve. He's removed hell. He's removed our rebellious, sinful hearts. He has, he has removed our desire to be his enemy. He, he has removed our condemnation. And in place of that, he's given us a new nature, a new heart that loves him, a, a heart that desires to be obedient to him every day with every beat. Uh, he has made us his children. And so it's, it's more than just what we don't deserve. It's removing what we deserve and giving us what we don't deserve. And, and this is the, the reminder that we must have at Christmas. God will punish every one of my sins and every one of your sins. God hates sin. 
So we all have a choice. God will either punish my sin in me, and the result is eternal death, condemnation, and hell, or God will punish my sin in Christ. And when that happens, the wrath of God passes over me, and I'm free. I, I come through his judgment into eternal life. So, so the question is, where do you want your sin to be punished? Grace is Jesus saying, give me your sin, give me your sin. I, I will take the wrath that you deserve for every one of your sins, past, present, and future. Give me your sin. That's grace. That's the love of God. That's the tender mercy of God. That's Christmas. That's why he was born. And so if you've never given Jesus your sin, my question to you is why not? Do you want to meet God at the end of your life and say, I will take the punishment for my own sin? Or do you want to meet God and say, Jesus has already been punished for my sin? Those are your two options. Now, what is the result of this salvation? What exactly, in addition to all of this, has been given to us? We'll look at verses 6 and 7. In addition to all of this, he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Number one, the promise of Christmas is that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will raise your dead body from the ground. Never mind if, if you're eaten by a bear and your body's lost to the elements. God will raise your body back to life. And bodily. We don't just escape these bodies and float around in heaven eating Philadelphia cream cheese and playing harps as wonderful as they are. There's only a few harp players in, in heaven. We're fortunate to have one of them here. That's not, that's not what our hope is. Our hope is that on the day that, that you put my body in the ground, someone will stand over my body and say, death has no victory here. Because Jesus was born, Jesus died, Jesus came back to life, and this body died in faith, and he will come back to life in the flesh. And God will start with whatever remains we have, and then he will add glory substance and physicality, super physicality to these mortal bodies. Now, can you, can you buy a Christmas gift like that? A resurrected body that will never break down. He has raised us up with him, and secondly, he has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So once he raises us back to life, he says, of all the things that I have ever made, of all the creatures I have ever created, I place you at the top. We're seated with Christ. At the top. Above the angels. Why? Because God didn't become an angel. What do we celebrate at Christmas? God became a man. And in so doing, he elevates necessarily, because he has bonded humanity to himself forever, he elevates humanity above all other creatures. He has seated us with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. And then I love this. That, why did he do that? So that in the coming ages, plural, 
he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What, what, what the Bible here is saying, what God through Paul is saying to us is Christmas, you know, the incarnation, Good Friday, and the resurrection of Jesus, that's just the beginning. He, he, needs, to get, he needs an eternal amount of time through many ages and creative works to display to us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us. That's how much he loves us. So, so this is the gift that keeps on giving. You know, in a million years from now, we are still unwrapping the gift of God's salvation, which started for us at Christmas. In a trillion years from now, in the new heavens and new earth, in glorified bodies, we're still going to be discovering new things that God wants to give us, to show us, to invite us into. Santa Claus cannot deliver anything anywhere close to that. The immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This sounds pretty good, so how do we receive this? Do you want this? How do you receive this? This is a great gift. How do we unwrap it? Verse 8. By grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. How do you unwrap this gift? You believe. You believe. You say, God said it, God did it, I believe it. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. This is a gift. This is a gift. You can't earn this. You'll never be good enough to receive all the things that God wants to give you. You can't outgive God. God wants to give you everything that He has to give. That's a lot. You can't earn it. It's a gift. God says, You're an enemy. You're a rebel. You're a child of wrath. I've got a great gift for you. I want to make you my son. I want to make you my daughter. I want to give you a new nature. I want to raise you from the dead. I want to give you eternal life. I want to elevate you above every other creature, every other holy angel. And then forever and ever and ever and ever, I want to continue to bestow gifts and graces upon you to show you how much I love you. And there's nothing that you can do to earn it. Just believe. I said it. I did it. Now God says, believe it. This is not the result of works before or after you're saved so that no one may boast. No one in heaven is going to be saying, I actually contributed about 1% to my salvation. No, we're all going to be saying, you were such a bad sinner. And, and you're going to say, yes, I, I was. I was a terrible sinner. And you were a bad sinner. Yes, I was. And, and, but look what God has done. I've got no boasting. I did nothing. God did it all. Jesus did it all. And on the cross, what did Jesus say? He says, it is finished. The gift is wrapped. Now open it. And as we open the gift by faith, we begin to enjoy our new nature. You see, the secret of living a godly life is not trying harder. It's just the secret is to just be the person that God has recreated you to be. And allow, allow the new nature that God gives you when you come to faith to take over your life. It's not about trying hard or being better or, or being more upset when you fall down and fail. It's about saying, you know what? 
I don't like what I just did there. And because I don't like it, it means I have a new nature. I'm going to live out of that new nature. God, help me. God, help me. And that's where we end. As we unopen the gift by faith, we remember each and every day that part of this good gift is this, that he has made us his workmanship. He has created us in Christ Jesus. That's, that's a recreation. That's a second birth. We're new people with new natures. And as new people, we desire good works. God has prepared good works for us to do beforehand from before the foundation of the world that we should walk in them. Not to be right with God, but because we are right with God. Not to earn salvation, but because we have been saved. Not to show ourselves or anyone else that we are worthy of the gift, but because we're not worthy, and yet He has given us a new heart that desires to live for Him. As we unwrap the gift, part of the gift is that we get to enjoy righteous living. It flows out of a new life. We have been transformed. None of this is possible without Christmas. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of God as a baby boy. Jesus is fully God. He's fully man. If Jesus was not born, then our salvation is not possible. We are still lost in our sins, children of wrath, destined for hell. But Jesus was born. Jesus did live a perfect life. He did die for the sin of the world. If we unwrap that gift by faith, immeasurable riches from the throne of God flow in tender mercy and grace because he loves us. The greatest Christmas gift of all, therefore, is Jesus himself. So, if you are already unwrapping this gift, Give the gift to someone else and help them unwrap it. If this is news to you, if you've never done this, I encourage you to unwrap this gift today. Take eternal life from God. There's no, there's no catch. There's no small print. It's a free gift that you do not deserve, but God wants you to have it. God became a man to save rebellious sinners destined for hell by grace. We have been saved. This is not our own doing. It is a Christmas gift from God. Let's pray. Oh God, forgive us when we are distracted by small visions of Christmas. How can any rival narrative or story or myth compete with the true message of Christmas. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came. You did all that you were predestined to do. You saved sinners. I count myself among those who have been saved, and I do not boast. I know many here count themselves as those who have been saved, and we do not boast. Lord, add to our number this night. Help us to help others unwrap the good gift that is ours in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.